seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland. Uh, Take five. One, two, three, four, five. Hello and welcome to the Vitamin Celtic podcast. My name is Lawrence Donegan and I... One, two, three, four, five. Hello and welcome to the Minute Celtic Podcast, the daily Minute Celtic Podcast. My name is Lawrence Take 7 Donegan and I'm joined today as I'm joined every day by my good pals, Paul Thompson and Renny McSwain. How are you doing, Paul? Um, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I've had a bit of an afternoon. My daughter came in really upset her last day at school, uh, but she was all... You know, con- consolation was it was going to be able to come in and celebrate Celtic being awarded nine in a row champions, but a wee flag still sitting there flapping, you kind know, of sadly in the wind, waiting on news. Uh, Remy, I mean, I-, I know I've got the bunting up in our house, but uh, it doesn't appear to have happened. Well, I've, been, I've been on the baby all day. Here we go, <laughs> ten in a row. Here we go. I put the house on it. Somebody, somebody told me the champions were Friday. Well, I, what I did. Well, this is the two things I did. I took all the money we had in the bank and I shorted airline stocks and I put the rest of the money on Celtic winning the league today, uh, based on the information I'd got. Anyway, we'll. Uh, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, 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 we've got a guest here who's going to uh, inform us that we were all misguided. Uh, Harry Brady, how you doing, Harry? I'm fine. How many takes did you need for rattlesnakes? <laughs> He's, you notice he's losing a uh, using a diversity tactic already. Oh, uh, it's uh, look, look, it's the gym trainer special. Look over there, a squirrel, uh, Harry. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, Championship Friday, uh, as you predicted uh, when you were on here uh, earlier in the week. You said that Celtic uh, will be champions by today. Uh, well, I haven't checked the I haven't checked the Super Scoreboard uh, Twitter feed, but <laughs> what happened? Well. If you listen back to the podcast, you'll hear me say, but of course, these things are subject to change because Rangers were going to, the new Rangers were going to be going straight into the top flight. That was the original decision. And then that changed. So what do you think changed then? Seriously, what do you think changed? No, seriously, I think Celtic will still be champions. Everybody's waiting for somebody else to make the decision that allows them to say, oh, we see it wasn't our fault that we had to do this. Uh, When you say... Waiting for somebody else, do you mean Italy, Spain, England? I would imagine England's the biggest influencer, certainly on uh, the SPFL. So after all, yeah. we, we did a reconstruction, you just called the leagues exactly the same as they did. Yeah, and, and as I said the other night, can you see a set of circumstances where Liverpool are not declared champions, champions in England? No. So, no. what everybody's waiting on is at the moment, we're still living in this pretend pretend set of circumstances where this is all going to be over you know it's like the first world war stuff it'll all be over by christmas we're still living in the pretend circumstances where this is all going to be over in a month or two and we can play in the remaining games in in the end of may and beginning of june right so because of that pretending stuff then nobody's coming out and saying that's all a bag of shite so we're just going to have to call it that is the only delay does that make sense to you paul it kind of tallies with what we were talking about yesterday in terms of the. There's definitely a likelihood that they're looking towards England uh, to see what. Or looking towards Europe more widely, as, as you suggested, Lawrence, but certainly England's the, the closest reference point. Uh, it would certainly be 
uh, widely challengeable if they made a, a decision that was out of kilter either with the rest of Europe or, or indeed the, the, the rest of the UK in, in legal terms. So I, I, I anticipate it's, it's the same. It's the same contracts in a lot of cases. You know, it's the same broadcasters that are involved. It's obviously individual contracts, but there's a degree of consistency that you would expect to see in how the the English and Scottish leagues eventually resolve themselves. So I, I, I get that logic. Yeah. I, do, do, do you want me to tell you, right, so I understand, to use to sound like a journalist, that neither Doncaster or Ian Maxwell think there's any chance of us playing fixtures before the 30th of June deadline that UEFA have set for being able to know who Champions League and European competitive teams are, right? But, no, but the government's not declared that, so that's why things like football's postponed into the middle of April and stuff like that. Then within the league itself, only... Hearts and Rangers have any inclination to not have it called as is just now. Hamilton, St Mirren, Ross County, all chuffed to bits to call it just now, as are Motherwell, because they're third. As are Celtic. And the only two teams who've got any issue with it are those two, and the people who are running it can't quite call it because they'd then be accepting what nobody's accepted yet, which is we're not playing, we're not doing any public events until the end of June at the earliest. But even if we get to the end of June, you could still... I mean, I think everybody's preference is to, is to play the games. I mean, if we get to the end of June, what's the problem? Eight games each, we could probably get through them in... You ever want everybody to declare who their European participants are on the 30th of June? Again, that just seems you know, UEFA can't dictate terms to to that extent, can they? Or can they? I don't know. It's their tournaments, and if they want their tournament to, if they think, so say they think restrictions start getting eased off, and I mean, personally, I think the concept of a cross border competition before Christmas is is not going to happen. But anyway, if UEFA think it's a possibility, it's got to start in August. Uh, yeah, well, here's here's something. I'll, I'll let you come in a minute, Rem. Rem. The uh, I don't think that UEFA can dictate anything to the English Premier League. Uh, I, I mean, it's a side issue, but the the politics of this, the football politics, the politics of this, are really quite interesting. I, I I think the English Premier League has a muscle to tell the, the UEFA to get lost. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Can so I, so when so when do the European games come? Well, I, I, if I'm Mr. English Premier League, my view is, well, I don't care. <laughs> you know. The UEFA have already told Manchester City they won't be in the Champions League next year. Uh, well, again, that's. Well, there's many appeal levels of appeal courts to go through before we get to that. Um, but but it, it is a. I mean, it's. it's <laughs> again, you didn't hear anything else from your source, Harry, after the, your, your original source on Champions by today. What, what, what was the thinking behind that? Well, the world's very fast moving at the moment, right? And and the thinking was because they because they, everybody need, desperately needs the cash, so they need the, the prizes handed out. And the, prize, and the prize money's handed out based on everybody's league position. And so... When I spoke to you, which the night before I'd been told it'll all be sorted by Friday, was driven by everybody needing the cash yesterday. I, and yet the SPFL typically uh, came to no, no decision. Here, uh, we've we've kicked this around, Harry. Uh, 
and you're pretty you're in the slightly tapped into this world you know, what could be the financial consequences of all this? Where could we be if there's no, if the the league is called and the the prize money is given out? I mean, it's not a huge amount of money for uh, you know, you know, in the greater scheme of things, and it might tide clubs over for another month or two. But if we don't get football till the start of next season, I mean, how how many clubs would we have in the Scottish uh, in the SPFL in the in the Premiership? Right, well, um, one. <laughs> how many? So, 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 how many clubs? Genuinely, could, genuinely, one. genuinely, we could. If if this isn't resolved by October, by October, say, um, I, I don't. You you, you know, I, there's no clubs that can can trade that long. I mean, even us, we'd be struggling. To trade that long, yeah, yeah I agree. With it. I, I think the if if we if we get into that and that's the nightmare scenario uh, that we, we you know nothing restarts till September October. But if it gets to that point, I think you're probably looking Europe wide at a, a kind of radical re-examination of, of football completely. Uh, you know, in terms of you know Harry mentioned cross border. Uh, Certainly, yeah, European competitions, but I'm not for a minute suggesting this is an opportunity. I don't mean it in that respect, but you know, genuinely in business terms, Scotland will not be the only country that, that's going to be in this summer situation. There's going to be a number of big clubs in the bigger, certainly top five, maybe Russia as well, that are somewhat insulated from this by their resources, but there's a whole load of teams who are in the same hand-to-mouth state as uh, as we are in Scotland, but maybe just on a grander scale. English Championship goes. Well, I was just yeah. going to ask that. What sources of income does the English Championship, Harry? Do they, I mean, I, I'm assuming the TV deal keeps running through to the end, if, even though you know Sky has no TV or BT or have no football to show. I mean, do they, do does they... it? I mean, Sky and BT have just told everybody you're not having to pay your Sky sports subscriptions because you've got no sport to show you. <laughs> well, you kind of left us all speechless, Harry. Uh, so, worst case scenario, let's say we can get back middle of June. How many clubs make it to the middle of June in Scotland? Um, I think some of the. I think some of the bottom tier clubs might make it because, in fact, most of the clubs out with the top 15, 16 teams, their players' contracts, all the players' contracts end um, on the last game of the season because one of my mates um, used to be um, the accountant of a lower league club and they reached the playoffs in the first year of the playoffs and they hadn't amended the players' contracts and so none of the players were in contract and the players held them to the ransom to play the playoff games. And, and they lost money playing the playoffs even though they got prize money for playing the playoffs, the amount of money the players asked for. And so they changed all their contracts to be ending on the last competitive game of the season. So if you call the, this the other thing, if you call the league now then that means those clubs, that's the other benefit of calling the league now, all those clubs can stop pe- playing people's wages. 
it's not a benefit to the players, obviously. But the clubs then, the contracts to the last competitive game of the season. So uh, those clubs are saved by calling the leagues now. So Hearts have already, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, they've they've come clean. Uh, you're announcing 50% wage cuts. And if you don't like it, you can well, terminate your contract. Uh, I mean that, that can't be legal, can it? Uh, is anybody uh, any any uh, employment law experts out there? Rem, that's just one of your fields, isn't it? No, but I mean uh, most most of Harps players are out of contract at the end of this season. I think they've got seventeen out of contract. So I think the problem Harps have is that they have spunked a load of money on contracts that they shouldn't have, like uh, Naismith, who got a four-year deal. Uh, Liam Boyce, who turned down six grand a week at Aberdeen, so what's he getting? And uh, Connor Washington, so they've got a lot of players on big money with no income coming in, uh, and it just shows again what a breath of fresh air and budgets. The um, <laughs> very good. The uh, who who's next, Harry? To go? <laughs> no, or who's next to go the Hearts route to 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 put up their hands and say, hang on a minute, this is. Uh, we're screwed here. Well, it's the people with the biggest costs would we'll, we'll be the ones who be the, the ones to the screw because those are the ones that you, you've got these fixed costs and you can't do anything about it. So you would have to think that Rangers are now in complete bailout mode from their major shareholders. Because they, they, they lose money every year, right? They've lost cumulatively £65 million since they were formed in 2012, something like that. So... Um, you know, you've got to think their major shareholders are hand over fist putting the money in, but those shareholders themselves will have other businesses that they're putting hand over fist. You know, they don't have a, a billionaire uh, magic money tree um, shareholder. At least we've got some somebody with a lot of money sitting behind them that might act as a guarantor for us. The uh, I mean, Douglas Park, the Douglas Park bus conglomerate is that screwed as well. I mean, nobody's taking any transport. Correct. So he's, you know, he's got a choice to make. Does he support his his bus company or does he support stick money in the Rangers? Um, anyway, it's got all, all pretty bleak. Uh, a couple of things. Not much news. Uh, not much. You haven't, don't have any news snippets, Harry. Oh, by the way, I should mention uh, podcast last night. You had a brain surgeon on, Harry. Yeah. So we we originally organised it to talk about dementia, the the report about dementia in football and heading the football, and we had to rearrange it a few times. Uh, actually, there's some issues right at the beginning with the audio. I think his mic came and went a wee bit. So if you can get through that, it's a bit reassuring, actually, listening oh, to him. Uh, so a brain surgeon who couldn't work his uh, microphone. So, <laughs> it's not brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I recommend that uh, Celtic Underground podcast. Always brilliant. The original and, I guess, uh, grudgingly, I'd have to say, the best uh, Celtic fans podcast. Uh, uh, is it the original, Harry? The first one ever? That's, that's a fact. Ever. It's a fact. If you Google it, World's Longest Running Football Fans Podcast, we come up. Wait, when did it start? Did you pay Google for that, Harry? No, uh, you see, it's one of those tricks <laughs> that I, I... See, if you write something and often enough, it then means when somebody does a search engine, it comes up. He, he, never, he never paid Google. He, put, he borrowed off the administrators. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the Google history remember, was white. Remember they had that wee break? They had that wee break. 
it's never never been confirmed. It's continuous. Uh, it's the continuity Celtic Underground podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is our fourteenth season. This season. Uh, that's phenomenal, Harry. Uh, although I do long for the days of uh, you and Eddie. It's a shame that you went off to that cave. Here, a uh, couple, a couple of little bits of news. Um, the both interviews. The one that really caught my eye was uh, the future CEO of Celtic, Alan Burrows. <laughs> <laughs> you pissed as well. Grant Russell in as the head of uh, media and PR as well. <laughs> Uh, we're not having Andrew Wilson on the board of directors though. Uh, the uh, that's all my Twitter pal. I say Alan, I don't even know Alan Burrows. Uh, so Burrows gave a really interesting interview. Uh, I say interesting in the sense it was what was interesting was not as as much as he's what he did say as what he didn't say. Uh, but what he did say, uh, basically talking about how to wrap up the year. Uh, uh, essentially, I'm, I'm not going to read it all to you. But but gee, we need to get this thing sorted out as quickly as possible. Um, we need clarity. We need the league uh, sorted out, and clubs need help. Essentially, what I read, and you tell me if I've got this wrong, Harry, is that uh, Burroughs wants to re- uh, is acknowledging the league is not going to get finished in in time or in 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 the immediate future. That uh, it needs to be called. And the money needs to be distributed to the clubs uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, I got that. Did you read it? I, I somebody I, I didn't read the whole thing. Somebody sent me a text, and that I mean that's what I was saying. You know, the, the clubs just want the league called so they can divvy out the um, divvy out the prize money. But don't forget, Motherwell are currently third, so they get slightly more prize money. And the, whenever European football restarts, they're in it, finishing third. So they're one of the ones. They're one of the beneficiaries of calling it now. Yep. Uh, here, I'll go through. It's, it's just a few lines. Uh, it's interesting. I would like. Uh, I think we would all like the football issues that are still outstanding to be settled on the pitch. That goes for all sports. You want it settled on the field or between the athletes. But if we are being honest and given what the scientists are telling us, what to expect over the coming months, I think that scenario becomes less likely. It won't be impossible. I think it will be very difficult. If that is to arise, then we need certainty and we need it quickly. Right now, clubs up and down the country are in limbo because of the uncertainty. I am saying to you about pushing forward on our season ticket sales, uh, but what if you're the CEO at a club and you're not sure what division you will be playing in next season? How do you sell that to supporters? Clubs need to be given the uh, the chance to plan accordingly. We need clarity and the earlier the better so we can start planning for next season. Uh, Yes, I... how do we get uh, clarity, Harry? What's the process by which uh, the, the SPFL board comes to a comes to a decision? Is it a do they take a vote of individual clubs, or uh, or is it? I mean, I have no idea. How how would you do it? Uh, I I I'm not quite sure. Well, the first thing you do is just apply the rules, which are go on, which are that the SPF that the the. the the SPFL board are sole arbiters about when the league is finished. So, be, so it must be a straight vote with the board. That's what it'll be. And the board does do all the clubs have a have a vote? No. Well, no. I think the board is Hamilton, Aki's, Motherwell, Rangers. I think there's five on the board. Oh my goodness! God. I know a boy follower. Mike Mulroney. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I think the the five are. Hamilton Ackies, they're voting to call it. Motherwell, 
they're voting to call it. Mike Mulraney, Celtic fan, he has already voted <laughs> to call it. Um, Rangers, mm, depends how much they need the cash. And then I don't know who the fifth one is. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Uh, 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 we, sorry, we talked about this. I know it wasn't on air last night. We talked about it briefly after that, but if, if the SPFL want to, to remove the... This what's the word? If if they if they want to kind of get as as close to consensus as you can possibly get, if they decide that all right, see next season, uh, no relegation, everybody goes up that's due to go up. It's three te- three leagues of fourteen. We'll work out the details as it comes in terms of how many games, etc. Immediately, all the pissed off clubs through the divisions, bar one, have all their issues resolved. So Harps are happy because they're staying in the league. Dundee United are happy because they're coming up. That runs right through the league, right down to the, the bottom teams in the 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 third division, second division, whatever it's called these days, uh, League Two, because they're basically saved from from going down as well. So the forty two teams, forty one of them are happy, one isn't. But actually, as we've talked about before as well, I think that other one is Harry's just alluded to. They need the money that badly. They'll 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 just do it. They'll what they'll do is they'll do the asterisk thing and create the resentment. But privately, they'll be comfortable because they know they're getting the money, and it feeds their sense of injustice that they can then use as a selling point for their fans for next season. So, so the only other thing to chuck into the mix is, for example, Thistle are on twenty six points with a game in hand on Queen of South are on twenty eight. So Thistle wouldn't be happy with calling the leagues just now. But if you then did something like average points um, and and took into account who you got your points against, uh, that might be the way that they do it. They might then just say, we're going to average out, we're going to do an average points for the remaining games and attribute it to deal with um, games in hand because St Johnston have also got a game in hand over Thistle. Oh, sorry, over Hibs. Oh, and pri- and, and prize money difference. Yeah, well, there's only a point in it. So um, so that's the only other thing that they might look at doing is some sort of average point thing to even it out. Uh, again, I wonder about that simply because you will, again, you'll be creating fresh resentments and fresh um, grievances if, if you do that kind of thing. I mean, unless, it, unless Celtic go magnanimous and just say the. Premier League money can be split equally. But again, if I'm if I'm Hearts, well, I'm not. You know, I'm not. Maybe you'll get more money, I guess. Well, uh, Harry, you might know this. Does Celtic not give away their TV money or something like that? Do they not give away? No, something? no. All oh, right. Here, Harry, this is something they, else. They agreed. They agreed. They agreed a few years ago at the last restructure that the, the prize money for first should be reduced and spread down the league. Right. Okay. They did that. So maybe they would do something like that this time. Uh, you know, I don't know. Here, the, I was just about to say, uh, let me, introduce, not, let not me introduce you to Peter Lawwell if you think he's <laughs> going to give money away. <laughs> Here, the other interview, uh, uh, I think this has been, I think he did it on a podcast, uh, was Neil Doncaster. Just a quick one here. Uh, I think you, you spotted this, Paul, the... Uh, basically got on about the new deal next year. I think we had referenced it very briefly yesterday, saying this is Nirvana 
uh, for Scottish football. It's this, that, and the next thing. Sky are amazing. Uh, delving into the interview, apparently he's had a go. You, you, you know, you, you, that uh, before the situation before was wasn't ideal because uh, we didn't Scottish football didn't get enough love, and he seems to have uh, said something about uh, Sky. You know, Sky is going to be much better because it's a solo deal, uh, isn't it? Well, I mean, it sounded bizarre to me. I mean, why would anybody praise Sky's coverage of Scottish football? Well, I mean, we're not privy to how discussions are conducted at executive level with these organisations, and and you know, possibly there's a bit of that in terms of the the bidding process and how Sky behaved towards the SPFL. I've, I've no idea, but. If his comments relate to the broadcast quality and the commitment that is shown in terms of you know supporting Scottish football and, and promoting Scottish football, I think you know it's chalk and cheese. It's it's a, it's a different you know beat here on a different planet for Sky in terms of the quality of their presentation. I've got problems with, with some of what BT do, you know, employing buffoons like Alex Ray, for example. But you can't doubt their commitment. You can't doubt their uh, you know the, the preamble to games, what they did for the League Cup final, where they, they kind of made almost a, a whole day's worth of programming, where you know Sky would have put on a five-minute preview before kickoff, that type of thing. That really is more tailored towards the support than probably any broadcaster we've had in recent years. Going back to the days of the you know Cup final sports scene and all that, it's it's been more along that line. And yeah, it's quite leaves a bit a bit of taste in it. I noticed uh, Daryl Curry, the the BT guy, going tonto on Twitter last night about it, uh, and and he'll probably be privy to a, a bit more than we are. And I can see it's you never burn your bridges with these organisations. You've always got to have the option next time round if things go bad with Sky that you've got somewhere else to go. And you just just it's another example where you're looking at Doncaster and going, you know. What is that guy? How does that guy retain the position that he's had for so long? It's, it is astonishing. I, and even, I, I remember well, and it was quite fun, the Facebook Live, you know, what's his face? Sutton would come on and it was all a bit of a knockabout. In it, but it was quite funny. Sutton's very funny. And whoever else is on, Craig, is it Craig and Stephen Craig? And they were, it was always quite good fun. And that was a level of commitment at Sky. Never shown. Harry, you, you had a good story before we come on about Sky and Scottish football. Did I? Well, you were talking about <laughs> the the, uh, the you know the, oh, yeah, the, the yeah. way so, they're branded. Sorry. Yeah, go on. So, so I th- there was a point a few years ago um, where I was driving to work. It was you know sort of July August time, and uh, I was noticing how many billboards were Sky for football. Virtually every billboard was Sky for football, and then you start to think, wait a minute, this is all English Premiership stuff. So I think it was like on the third day, I thought I'm going to count this. And I sent a, a, an email into Peter uh, Lowell and said, you know, on my however many mile journey to work, you know, it wasn't a long journey, I passed, whatever it was, 12 billboards and eight of them are Sky football billboards and all of them are English football. We are allowing our main media partner to advertise a competitor <laughs> brand in, in our area. To be fair, Peter then came back and said, you're right, dear Neil, here is Mr. Brian Gilmore. Can you please reply to his points and and send it on to Neil Doncaster? Did you ever he get came back? No, to be fair, he came back and said, "You've got a point. We will raise this for the next 
uh, we, it's too late to do anything now. We'll raise it. And I think the and I'm not saying take credit for it, but the next year was the ones where the BBB like half blurred out pictures of footballers, and there'd be like six Premiership ones, and then there'd be Samaras or something like that in the background. But uh, obviously. Good, the good news, Lawrence, is that just for the rest of the listeners, it's peter.lawwell at hotmail.co.uk if anybody else wants to get him. Oh, hang on a minute. No, no. Is that... Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I'll keep that in. <laughs> yeah, because Celtic is so professional. Celtic is so professional. The CEO's got a hotmail. <laughs> Well, he said it. So, he said it so straight faced. But hey, Remy, what I was, I was, I, I was slightly. Yeah, my, my head. Only just email Donald Trump at gmail dot com, <laughs> and uh, it's dead easy to get anyone of anybody in the world. Uh, anyway, t- <laughs> did you notice it though, Remy? Uh, when Harry was telling that story, it was Peter. He said Peter. Then he remembered he took it in Lowell afterwards. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Right. When people talk about that. There is, it's a, I always think it's a public school thing to refer to people by their surname. Jones and Smith, it was like, you know, it's like when gentlemen and players were in cricket and that, and, the, and the, 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 the gentlemen were referred to by Mr. Surname. Like Rangers, differential thing. And the players, the professionals, the, the working class guys, they got their first and their second name because they didn't get a mister. I always think it's a, it's a, it's a public school thing to refer to people by surname all the time. And there's nobody in my life. I don't if I, I don't if, I don't speak to my wife and say I was uh, I'm doing a podcast with Donegan. <laughs> uh, but do, do I tend to use surnames for people I don't know. Uh, anyway, Brady. <laughs> here, a uh, couple of more things. This is uh, this is not the bestest. Uh, here, uh, one thing, Harry, you you haven't been on since the appointment of the uh, of the new Rangers PR man. The What's a super fly grand national master oh, flash? Grand master flash, flash yeah. whatever his name is. I firstly, what about that appointment? I, I, can you believe? I, I, literally, the guy has no relevant PR uh, or branding or media experience. He's a political hack uh, with a with a long stated public belief in the supremacy of Ulster Protestantism. Uh, I mean, it is quite astonishing, isn't it? Yeah. What's his relationships going to be with the Scottish press? Because he's not got any. You know, what's his... You know, I would imagine a PR person at Rangers has got to understand the way the football world works. He's got to have relationships with the press that he can pick up the phone. There'll be a commercial element of what you're doing because you'll have to be in charge of writing commercial communications, I would have thought. Or, or assisting in the drafting of delicate commercial communications. What experience has he got of any of that? I uh, just unbelievable. And he, uh, he he's a quite a regular guest on the Heart and Hand podcast. I, I can't ever remember him. I've been a subscriber there. Uh, I can't. Uh, my memory of him, he, he doesn't sound. There's a few, certainly a few bright guys on there. I. Uh, he certainly never sounded like one of them. So uh, who knows on that end? But uh, lo and behold, I, I've been banging on about this all week. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you saw this. The uh, some uh, somebody went in and delved into found some Facebook uh, Facebook posts from way back when, calling you know I can't call Celtic, but the piggery or whatever I can't remember. 
Uh, it doesn't. I mean, it's not, that's just a kind of a vernacular of football fans. It's all good. But I, I, I would. I, I'd be amazed if Andy was offended by that. Well, no, I was. That's what I was going to say. But hang on a second, and I, I agree. It's the vernacular of. Uh, I don't mind people call me a Fenian bastard or whatever. Who cares? Um, uh, piggery. Who cares? I call it the Glasgow Municipal Dump over there. But I mean, I, I'm not running the uh, the Celtic PR department, PR and marketing or branding department. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, what does it say about the level of? Professionalism. Do you think the Rangers did any due diligence on this guy? Yes, I think they probably did. <laughs> because I think that's what they are. If they'd done any due diligence on Jim Terena, he would never have got in the door either. That's that's what they are. They We've talked about this a couple of times. They, they are inward-looking in their PR. They, they don't really care. I know that's their song and their, their slogan, but they genuinely don't care externally what's happening. Uh, I think everything that Harry said about what a good PR representative is and would be is absolutely valid, uh, but I don't think that's really what they want. They just want somebody that's going to rally the blue pound. Uh, and I think we've talked about it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. It's about motivating our base. It's about the sense of injustice, it's about doubling down on the staunchness and yeah, I'm sure that to do all that they could have got better, more qualified people to do it, but they probably wouldn't have been prepared to take the the same risks and cut the same corners that somebody like that character would, so no, it doesn't surprise me at all that that's the route they would go down, it's, it's incredulous as that sounds, that's, that's what they are. Here, Harry, and this is a serious question, Harry. Don't take this. You know, so when Ian, the the day comes when Ian Jameson, uh, Celtic's head of uh, PR, uh, moves on or whatever, uh, I, I would say somebody like you would be a a really good representative. I'm being serious, right? You know, smart, switched on, understands the landscape. W- would you a, a apply for that for Jameson's job, and B, do you think you'd have a chance of getting it? I I wouldn't apply for it. Um, couldn't afford because, to take off. Well. <laughs> hey, couldn't claim it. Oh. Um, no, but g- genuinely, I think it, I think whoever replaces Ian would be would need to be somebody much more, someone more like Grant Russell, who's at, who's a Motherwell. I mean, not not to to jump on your your Motherwell bandwagon, <laughs> Harry. What are you doing here? <laughs> oh. You're giving Donegan some credibility here. What's going on? <laughs> That's Mr. Donegan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence.donegan at hotmail.com because remember that's how everybody's email address is. Um, <laughs> that actually is his though. <laughs> so, so see, see, I, I don't want to put you in a position, <laughs> Harry. Somebody who understands because the, 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 the media landscape's moving and transforming, so it would really need to be. I think it might. I wouldn't even be surprised if it came from in-house and it was someone like Kerry, uh, Kerry Keenan, who's in the the media department at the moment. Um, uh, somebody like that came through. Um, I still think if you, if he was to go in the next five years, I still think they would probably go from some to someone with a journalistic background because it's still perceived that it's someone who understands how the press works. Because despite the world that we live in, there's been an umpteen events in the last two years that have demonstrated the online world is actually very different to the actual world out there, and the actual world is still heavily influenced by traditional press. 
Yeah, yes, and and this again, not to hard call it, but this guy, he, he knows nobody in uh, he knows nobody in the Scottish media world. Uh, no journalists. Uh, it's it's I, I just I'm flabbergasted even by the Espanol standards. It's uh, it's an astonishing appointment. Uh, and again, they'll rue the day. I don't doubt uh, somebody's already gone through his Facebook Live stuff. I don't doubt there are people out there, journalists out there. Hopefully, there are if they're doing their job. Should be dredging through all these other previous stuff. I, again, he's been on uh, um, the Rangers podcasts I, I, countless times over the years. I mean, I, I don't doubt. I mean, if, if they're anything like this podcast, I'm sure they've said all sorts of stuff that might... Uh, do, you know, do you know the, the, the thing? We don't like the, the phrase the old firm, right? And we're, we're not them and, and all that. But you have to be realistic, right? And understand that too many people we are two cheeks of the same arse, right? And even in the business world, there is a perception that we are intrinsically connected with them, right? It negatively impacts, therefore, on the Glasgow football brand, for one, if you to not use the old firm term, the Glasgow football brand, if one half of the Glasgow football brand, yes. which is the way the outside world looks at it, is ultra down market, up to your knees, knuckle-dragging shite. That prevents us from getting the level of corporate um, sponsorship funding that you would find in any other club of our size in European football outside the big five leagues. So Ajax, Benfica, Porto, Anderlecht, uh, you go into their stadiums and you will see all their boxes are taken by elite corporate brands. Ours are Jimmy Smith and Co. Plumbers. Not to decry, because that's the size of my business. That's who's taking our corporate. Why? Because the big corporates perceive that all the negative shit that goes around the talk of football in Glasgow, which drives me up the wall, but but while one of them decides to wallow in shittery, that drags us down. So it matters to them that they are pricks. It really matters to us. Uh, again, my I mean, I keep returning to the subject, but I, I had no. I, of course, it's Espanol, right? So you expect a certain level of shittery, as you put it. But I thought there'd be competent, at least a few competent business people over there making decisions, and I, I'm astonished that the people in charge have gone down this route. Uh, it's amazing, and it, it will cause him trouble. Uh, this guy is trouble. He, he's going to the people are going to get through his background. They're going to get through his history, and there'll be more and more of the stuff they can. You can put, put your shirt on that. Here, one more well, thing. So, sorry to interrupt so, on so, that because so, I know I know this for a fact, right? In terms of who is responsible for hiring the PR people and the and the tone and the style of that PR message at Rangers, Celtic have contacted. Celtic at a senior level have contacted the Rangers CEO, Robertson, and said, what the fuck are you doing with that statement? And he has turned around and said, what statement? Was that the statement last week? Or no, just statement? in general. All statements right. that they have done in the recent past. So that is a direct line with a... I'm always suspicious of British people who during the years of apartheid moved to South Africa. Right, 
So they're owned by a guy, their major shareholder is a guy who during the heart of apartheid thought that's a good place to live and went and lived there. So that gives you an insight into what type of human being that guy is. And he's the guy that's in charge of the appointing their PR, their last two PR people now. Um, yes. Uh, here, one more thing, Harry, just on this. Uh, we, I, I, we had this out yesterday again. Um, the... To me, there's been a PR war going on. I mean, I, I know we won't. It's not nice to admit that, you know, and we all accept that football is the least important thing right now. But having said all that, there has been a a, a proxy PR war going on. You can see it in the papers, and there's you can basically divide it into the null and void uh, narrative and the sanity narrative. Uh, to me, it looks like the null and void narrative has been pushed hard by. Uh, couple of clubs uh meanwhile celtic uh who are obviously on the sanity side of the argument have have just put themselves above the fray again this seems to happen all the time it, it, you know trainer and his cohorts within the scottish media they never miss an opportunity to push push their agenda uh and and we don't i mean i know peter law will put out a brilliant statement excellent statement yesterday uh, but that's been race, basically been it. Everything else has been driven but b- by the the kind of null and void crew. Uh, uh, have you spotted that? And if you have, does it does it bother you? Well, I think it has been driven by the null and void crew, which is part of my thoughts about this is some massive rearguard action because they know that they are fighting against the likelihood of of us being given the title. That's why I think there is such a push in the null and void people, and also so that they. They can paint a picture of we tried our best. I actually think Celtic missed the boat a wee bit yesterday with that statement. Oh, and to take it to take a higher moral ground. And so, I, I, I thought we should have taken the opportunity to to say something like season book renewals will not be the most important thing in our fans' mind just now, and ignore any deadlines previously sent out. We'll review that later. Um, the club are making a donation of. X pounds to the Celtic Foundation to assist getting food direct. And we're, we're speaking to warehouse firms so that food can get delivered directly to X food bank. Or right. we are making a solidarity payment of a million pounds to Scottish football to assist the lower league clubs. And we've noticed some people are talking about voiding seasons, etc. This is not the time to be discussing that type of thing. That's what I'd have done. So just, just sorry to interrupt. As we speak, and about twenty minutes ago, the club did put a statement out about the the, the charitable side of your your point, Harry. And we are going to be pumping an initial hundred and fifty grand into the foundation. There's going to be two hundred and fifty people a day, including NHS frontline staff, who will be fed at Celtic Park every weekday. Uh, there's some work being done with the food banks locally. Uh, there's some uh, work being done with outreach to vulnerable people as well. So I guess that point's been made in as much as I think the, yesterday was the the general statement, today's the specifics of what we're doing. So I, I, I get your point about yesterday, but it is important to... to well, do actually, now that they've done that, then that's all I wanted them to do yesterday because that would have cemented us in a higher moral ground where everybody else is fighting about voiding titles. We are talking about saving lives. Uh there's nothing about uh, I, 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 why do you think they would hold back on a solidarity payment to Scottish football Harry in case this goes on for a long time and we need it 
And and there's also the the problem you've got with making solidarity payments to Scottish football is I, I don't want us to sound terrible, but it, it could look like a bribe as well in current climate. I know that's a horrible thing to say, but you you, you don't want to be be left with that kind of or or everybody voted for it because they did this. Can I just make one more point as well, Lance, just on your uh, uh, the null and void crew. Yeah. So the point I made on Twitter earlier, the the null and void crew that have been rolled out so far this week, uh, Hutton, Ray, and today Barry Ferguson, uh, and I think Boyd's been in there as well uh, on Sky. So you've got three point six million pounds worth uh, EBT recipients there who avoided tax at a time when, uh, with hindsight, it would have been nice to have funded public services using that money. So I'm taking nothing seriously that any of those, I'll, I'll watch my words, what any of those people say. Did you notice that, uh, Rem? <laughs> I never actually noticed that good shout, Paul. I mean, it is the, I mean, that, did you read the Barry Ferguson thing, Rem? No, I tend not to read articles written in green crayon. So, uh, no, no interest in what Keith Jackson and Barry Ferguson came up with. Um. Anyway, the uh, Harry, just getting back to the point. Do you think uh, is, was that a PR war you were happy to lose, or not lose? But I, I guess, yeah. Well, was that a PR war you're happy to sit back and let take place and and just kind of rise above it? Well, that, that's why I thought if, if we're going to make a statement, our statement is we're doing all this good stuff and it's a bit, it's a bit, you're sullying yourself talking about domestic trophies when people are dying. Um, anyway, uh, any other business? Anybody? Rem? No, none oh, for me. No, uh, no transfer gossip? Oh, well, there's, that's Paul's. Let Paul have that one. What was the transfer gossip, Paul? Uh, Rodrigo Riquelme, who's the uh, uh, currently with Atletico Madrid. I think it's a name that's been kicking about the last couple of weeks. Plays up front, 19-year-old, probably fits the, the Dembele-Edward model in that respect, and he's not played a lot of first-team football, but very highly rated. So, you know, you would kind of look at what we've done with the previous two uh, of that type and think, is, is, is this a similar idea? So... Uh, again, it was just something that's been kicking about for a couple of weeks, but there was a, a, an article, I can't remember which website put it up today, which seemed to put a wee bit more meat in the bone. says he's got an offer sitting in front of him from Celtic, whether that's true or no, could be agent talk, but uh, yeah, it's it's a, at least it's a name that we're starting to hear. Um, what do you think will happen, Harry, just finally on the, uh, the landscape of football, transfer fees and wages and TV deals and do you think it'll be massively transformed the uh, the, the landscape, or uh, do you think we'll you know we'll get back to what it's sixty six and a half or sixty six and a third percent of what it was before, and then gradually make our way back up? I think we'll eventually get back up because that's I mean look what happened after the two thousand and eight crash. Bankers had a hardship for what eighteen months, and then pretty much back to what they were. Um, I think, uh, as was mentioned earlier, the elite clubs will be uh, probably end up being ring fenced in in this, uh, and we'll, we'll be able to survive it. Um, to be honest, there's an element of who knows, really. Yeah. When it's all shaking down, who knows how this is going to impact across everywhere? 
you know, I just wanted to finish up the. I, I don't think we'll, we'll be on at the weekend. I, I, we, can we agree on that, boys? I, who, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll take, the, we'll take the weekend off. Come back on Monday. The uh, well, before that, that we gives three days for something to happen. Uh, before we go, I'm going to ask everybody for their uh, uh, record, streaming recommendations. Do you want to go first, Rem? Uh, what do you mean, films or films uh, or or uh, or movies or everything on Netflix, whatever you fancy? Uh, well, I don't know if it, one of the films I saw, I think it was Netflix, Fighting with My Family, which is a, based on a true story, is absolutely hilarious. It's about the WWE, but don't let that put you off. It's very funny, and the album I was listening to today was a new one by Destroyer, which was really good, and. I also found out that there's a partial jellyfish reunion, which has uh, made my weekend. And they've got a single up on YouTube, which I put on Twitter today. So I, I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, I'm going to put the. I found it uh, vulture.com, the hundred best films you can watch on Netflix right now. Uh, two were two films into it. Uh, one was the Bling Ring. I don't know why I'm recommending these. They're terrible. The Bling Ring, which says Sophia. <laughs> Sophia Coppola uh, and the one we watched last night I don't know if you boys have seen this it's called Under the Skin starring Scarlett Johansson dreadful. It's a, dreadful well this is it's fucking so weird it's awful it's it's incredible I couldn't believe it turned it on and it's set, it's set in Glasgow <laughs> and there's I know there's all sorts of shots uh, of Celtic fans she picks up a Celtic fan at one point and no he comes on gets in the car with her she's an alien and he gets in the car he's got a green uh, thing on and then she takes him back to the fifth dimension or whatever and he starts she gets Kenton starts taking her gear off and then he starts undressing and he takes his his uh, fleece off her and he's got a hips top on. And I'm like, hang on a second. She just picked him up coming from the Celtic game. Why's he got a hips top on? <laughs> <laughs> and Maggie said, that's at least your worries. Anyway, terrible film. But here by two. Uh, so you go at the Vulture uh, list of 100 best films on Netflix. Uh, I, I might have been unlucky with the first two. But my big recommendation is, is a series called Cheer which is about cheerleading a, a junior college in, I think, Texas. It's the US college cheerleading. It's a phenomenal documentary about cheerleading. Incredible. And not at all what you would expect. It's not like the Dallas Cowboys. And the other one is called Don't Fuck With Cats, which is a three or four parter about a serial killer who is tracked down by a bunch of internet nerds. Unbelievable story. Brilliant documentary. Paul, you're next. Top that. Uh, probably not be able to top that in any way, shape or form. Uh, in terms of the most recent thing I've watched that I would really enjoy, and I think you've probably seen it before, Lawrence, was uh, the, the new Pope and the young Pope, the, the Jude Law thing, which is uh, which is fantastic. I kind of think it's 20 episodes or something, which is, you know, a, a day's work for us nowadays. Uh, and... Uh, Music-wise, I've been listening to The Lanterns on the Lake ever since... Uh, I did have the album, but since Remy reminded me about it the other day, I've been listening to it a lot. I actually bought uh, the first five Equine Bunnymen albums the other night as well, which I already had on vinyl, but I've, I've went back and bought digital versions of them. Uh, there's a great Spotify playlist, which is John Peel's Festive 50. I think every Festive 50 they ever did, which is I've been listening to a lot just, just now as well. And uh, I've not really watched a lot of movies lately, to be honest, so it's uh, I'll... I'll 
waiting on the new Star Wars one coming out. Uh, well, anyway, there's two I've given you. Uh, Harry, you can finish off the podcast. Give us your streaming recommendations. No, you see, I need all this because I have just been bemoaning that there is nothing that I have watched on the television in the last three months that I've really thought I want to watch. I, I keep people recommend series to me, and I keep watching and about three three programs and think this is shit. Well, so so this has been really useful for me because I'm desperately trying to find stuff. Um, I, I did watch the two popes, the one with Anthony Hopkins and uh, can't remember the name of the other guy. The other guys. That's it. And that was actually see if you're wanting a gentle film that makes you feel. And I nearly emailed pope.francis at hotmail.com just to say <laughs> you come across as a really nice guy in that film. <laughs> you should have just laid the wall. He would have said it up for you. Yeah, he would have done. <laughs> Peter, you don't happen to know the Pope's email address? Oh, for goodness sake, Brian. It's pope.francis at hotmail.com. Everyone knows that. You could maybe get him as a guest in the, the pod next week. It's Franny Boy 67's his Skype name. So you'll get him, no bother. The, uh, the, uh, anyway, I'm very glad. I, at least I'm, I'm cognizant of legal issues on this podcast if nobody else is. Um, the uh, the the young pope is phenomenal, Paul. Great series, so if, uh, that's another good idea. Uh, Harry, here's one more for you. Um, again, it's a Netflix series called Drive to Survive. It's a season uh, of Formula One. It's now there's no they've done two series. The last two seasons of Formula One. I don't even like Formula One, but it is magnificent uh, filmmaking and very very raw. Uh, I I think. Uh, if you think of the season, remember the Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool season? I can't remember what it was called. Just terrible. Uh, and all the punches are pulled. But this Formula One, considering how uh, how developed that brand is, I'm astonished that they, that they allowed the filmmakers in and uh, so much access and allowed them so much editorial freedom. It is phenomenal. Drive to Survive. It's a two series streamed on Netflix. Well worth your time. Brilliant stuff. Anyway... Uh, Brian, uh, Brian, who's Brian? Uh, here, uh, Harry. Uh, <laughs> good to talk to you, Paul. Talk to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you, Paul. Remy, all the best. Have a good weekend, right. guys. Speak to you next week. Have a good weekend.